You know what? Players play with pain and broadcasters play with pain. I don't have my best voice, but you know what? We're gamers here on a few extra bucks. We're going to proceed with our podcast here on PeterPires.com. I'm Mike Neighbors. Boy, uh, Bucks fans, I feel for you. It's been a rough, rough week after watching that rough, rough game. We're going to delve into the future of Jameis Winston, the future of so many players in this football team. I'm going to bring in my partner, Roy Cummings, and uh, voice of reason, Justin Thomas, who's going to have his now stat of the week for us. But Roy Cummings, I kid you that you're F. Lee Bailey. You defended Gerald McCoy. You've always defended Jameis Winston. How on earth do you defend the Bucks, especially the offense, after watching that game? Uh, you can't. There, there, there is no defense uh, for anyone um, on, on that team at this at this point. Uh, certainly on the offensive side. Well, I mean, any side of the ball. Look, they, that, that talk, talk about a complete and utter collapse. Arguably, is the worst game he's ever played. Uh, the defense gave up uh, another 20, uh, almost 30 points by itself. Um, Brandon didn't get much help from the offense, but it certainly didn't provide the offense with any help either. So I'll forget that. Special teams cost you uh, with uh, a couple of lost punt uh, recoveries there. So, you know, just it was just an overall horrible effort by the Buccaneers. And it's something that we're sort of getting used to yet again. I mean, every time we think that this is going to change, uh, or that some new coach is going to change it, or, or things are going to get better. It just it doesn't happen. And here, uh, six games now into the uh, into the Bruce Arians regime uh, era, if you want to say, and and it sure looks an awful lot like Sir Cutter and Lovey Smith and Greg Ciano and everyone before them. So um, it's 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 really mind-boggling how this team, no matter who the coach is, no matter what his caliber is, uh, no matter who the players are. It's the same thing just keeps on happening time and time again. So the defense rests, but Roy Cummings, is it a good time for a bye week or is it the worst time for a bye week right now? You know, it's, I, I think it is a good time for the bye week because the defense has really fallen into a horrible rut. There's no doubt about that. Um, James Winston, you know, he probably wishes he could go right back and play could have played the next game. You know, for me, that was just a bad game for him. And we've seen those bad games before. I know, I get it, but uh, it, it really looked, uh, and legitimately so, as if he had possibly turned a corner here in the previous few weeks. And if you want, I'll, I'll go through the stats there but um, to, to defend that claim. But uh, there were some other areas where they need to get healthy. Uh, offensive line, obviously, uh, they need to get healthy on the right side. Not that Tamar Dotson and Alex Stapper are going to make that much of a difference, but uh, they need something a little bit better than what they got in Josh Wells and Earl Watford. That's for sure. So uh, a good time for the bye week overall because, again, defensively, they need to make some adjustments. Uh, they need to get another, another pun returner in there now that Bobo Wilson is gone, and, uh, you know, uh, respectfully so. And uh, they need to get some people healthy on the offensive side. So a uh, good time for the bye week for these guys for sure. Okay, Roy, you said arguably the worst game for Jameis Winston. I'm going to take arguably out from my take. How do you get worse than five picks, a lost fumble, and seven sacks aren't his fault, but you know, still a bad, bad football game. Justin Thomas, I'm going to bring you in here, our esteemed producer, our voice of reason. Uh, you have stats on Jameis Winston that are not very good. Can you provide those for us? I went back and I took the average of his touchdowns and his turnovers of the first six games that he started in his first four years. 
and he averaged about 10 and a half touchdowns, eight and a half turnovers, like I said, over the six starts over his first four years. This year, 2019, in his first six starts, 12 touchdowns, 12 turnovers. So if anything, this year, his average is even worse than what he was averaging his first four years. Roy, he's just the same guy. And you know what? I didn't expect Bruce Arians to come in here with a magic wand and turn things around quickly. But Jameis is doing the same stuff that we've seen you know, every year prior to this. He's not getting better, Roy. I, I just don't know how you put your future with this with this quarterback anymore. What's your take on that? Well, right now you don't have anybody else that you know is significantly better. We don't know what Ryan Griffin can do, um, but for whatever reason, uh, three head coaches now have not thought that he's a better option. Um, that's number one. So you have to probably suggest that he's not. Uh, number two, I'll counter the stats, and, and I'm not denying them. I, I, Justin's uh, uh, original research there is uh, is sound. Uh, it's good stuff. Uh, it tells, it paints the picture of who Jameis Winston has been for sure. For sure. But the reason I believe that Jameis Winston may not be that player that Justin portrayed with those stats anymore is because in the prior four games, in the, or the four games prior to last Sunday. Uh, when he had this, you know, again, arguably his worst game ever. Um, and by the way, you said arguably, and I, it is hard to argue. Uh, you mentioned the, the sack. You said they weren't all his fault. But you know what? Three, at least three or four of them were his fault. So it probably was his worst game ever. But either way, in the four games for that, Davis Winston completed 63% of his passes for 1,074 yards and two interceptions. And he went into that game last Sunday, ranked second in the NFL to Russell Wilson with 12 touchdown passes. Russell Wilson had one more. At one point in that game, in fact, when the game ended, uh, James Winston was tied with Russell Wilson for most touchdown passes in the NFL. Uh, he had a bad uh, Didn't seem to really be... Uh, in sync, but you know what? You can say that about a lot of football teams in the NFL. Think in week one, um, he came back. He bounced back very well over the course of the next four games. And uh, by the way, he had a passer rating of 100 points or better in each one of those next four games. Uh, first time he's ever done that in his career. Have four 100 plus passer rating games in a row. Uh, and then he just uh, look. He, he just he had a horribly bad game decision making wise uh, against. Uh, Carolina in London. Um, yeah, most of that was his fault. A couple of interceptions were not. But the decision-making on the fumbles was uh, was poor. He needs to get rid of the ball quicker. But here again, uh, he's behind almost immediately, partially on his own you know, volition. But he's behind. He's trying to make things happen. He fell back into the old uh, habit, the bad habit of trying to be the Superman that Bruce Arians is trying to teach him not to be, thinking that it's all on him. And if he doesn't make a play, uh, the team loses. So it's it's a tough spot for him to be in. He found himself in that tough spot last week, and he reacted the way Jameis Winston has always reacted. The key, again, as I said in week one, after a bad game, is how does he look going forward? Um, you have to believe that he can get better because he's done it before. Again, I said 
I, you know, we've been at, we, we went through this before, you know, after the last two weeks, we were wondering, you know, if this was an indication that James Winston had kind of turned uh, the corner a little bit. And I said, look, uh, he's going to continue to have these bad games. Uh, he's just got to minimize them. And, uh, you know, so let's see how he responds over the course of the next few weeks here. My guess is he'll do well. I, I kind of disagree. Go ahead, Justin. Go ahead, I have to Justin. say, I, I disagree with two things. First, it wasn't like the Bucks were down, and then at, in the fourth quarter, Jameis threw five picks. I mean, that was from the very beginning. It's not like, like you said, he's trying to play catch up and get the team team to win because they're down so much. I mean, he's he's making poor decisions from the onset. And the other point I have is we've seen this so many times with Jameis. Yeah, he'll go through a stretch where he has three or four games where he looks really good, and then he returns to the Jameis we're used to, where he's making horrible decisions throughout the game, turning the ball over. And it, it's almost like fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I mean, how many times are we going to go with, oh, well, look at the last four games. He's so good. Yeah, he won't have one bad game. That's his whole career. It's like three good games, one bad game. Three good games, one bad game. You're right. It is his whole career. And you know what else is consistent about his whole career? The lack of a solid offensive line playing in front of him. Jameis Winston last week was under siege probably as badly or as much, however you want to put it, as I've ever seen it. He got hit uh, 14 times. Uh, he was under siege on almost every pass play. Uh, they had no, absolutely no running game uh, laid out. From the, the game plan was flawed from the beginning. If you saw that Jameis Winston wasn't having wasn't having a good day, and as you said, and it was evident, the first well, the first the first throw, the first interception. Um, I, I've heard you know, talking to people on the inside. Uh, there's as much blame going to Mike Evans for that as there was to Jameis Winston uh, because Mike Evans made no attempt whatsoever to come back on that pass route and, uh, you know, separate himself from the defender, which has got to happen. Uh, you know, the kid needs a little help, Jameis Winston. He needs help from his line, and he needs help from his receivers, and he's not getting it. What else is there? And, you know, when he does throw a long pass and it looks like he's going to you know, it's going to work out well for him. Mike Evans drops the ball. Mike Evans dropped at least three catchable passes in that game. That that certainly didn't help matters. Um, and again, uh, look, I'm, I'm not denying what you're saying. I, I said it. Arguably the worst game he's played. And I'm just saying arguably because I'm trying to think of a worse one. I'm thinking there probably is one because, that's again, that's James Winston. But I still believe that if you put this kid behind a legitimate offensive line that can protect him and give him a running game that he can, you know, he'll give you what you're looking for. The Bengals, more often than the not. Bengals game last year was bad, but I think that was bad just for the all-around stats and decision-making. But, Roy, you know, since he came into the league in 2015, I, I get it with the offensive line, but he has 87 giveaways, 87. I mean, Blake Bortles is second with 76. That's how bad that is. I know that the offensive line is bad, but that offensive line to me personifies this Bucks team right now. Look at the money that Donovan Smith is making. Look at the money that Ryan Jensen's making. Look at the money that Ali Marpet's making. I mean, this team, give me some hope. Is there any hope with this football team right now? I mean, up and down, I don't see a lot of hope here. 
No, it doesn't look like it now, but I believe there is hope because I believe that, again, I don't think you're going to see that kind of a game consistently on Davis Winston. I think you're going to see more games like you have the previous four than you will like this one. Um, but the hope has, there has to be, here's the thing, guys. It has to be more than just Jameis Winston improving and avoiding games like this. The defense is giving up 29, well, I'm sorry, it's giving up 30 points a game all on its own without any help from Jameis Winston. By the way, when is the last time you saw this defense give the Buccaneers offense a short field? The ball is, you know, inside their opponent's 50. Give, them, give it to them at the 20. Give it to them at, their, at the opponent's, at, the, at their own 40-yard line. It doesn't happen. So the defense isn't helping matters. The kicker cost them a game. Uh, now you can, you know, create uh, a worse situation, a punt returner, rather, who helped create a worse situation last week. Jameis Winston doesn't get any help. He doesn't get, and, and last week, he didn't get any help from his offensive coordinator, Byron Lester, who I think called a horrible game. Well, going up against the second-best pass rush unit in the NFL up to that point, with two-fifths of your, of your offensive line, your right guard and your right tackle out with injuries, he ran the ball 14 times. That's inexcusable. When you've got a weapon like Ronald Jones and a quarterback who's struggling the way Jameis Winston was throughout that game, you can't throw it 54 times. Because what you said, Justin, is right. It wasn't like they were behind by 30 points and Jameis Winston was throwing it up for grabs in the fourth quarter. The game was close. And then it got out of hand. And then guess who brought him back and made it somewhat close again? If the defense had been able to hold maybe just once or twice, I think they could have had a chance here. It wasn't their day, so it wasn't going to happen. But at the end of the day, when the game was close in the first half, they never ran the ball. There was, the game plan was horrible. And it's the second time we've seen that happen. I'm not sure that this team is being helped at all by Byron Leftwich and his rookie play calling. Uh, Bruce Arians may have a lot of faith in him, but I'll tell you what, Byron Leftwich has got a lot more growing to do as a play caller, in my opinion, than James Winston has to do as a quarterback. I guess my problem, Roy, is is you look around the league and, you know, Deshaun Watson's getting hammered in Houston, but finding a way to win. Russell Wilson doesn't have near the weapons that Jameis Winston does. He's an MVP candidate. At some point, your quarterback, who's getting all this money and you've invested so much in him, has to be a difference maker and has to be above the fray a little bit. If Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson can make the most out of their situations, to me, Jameis Winston has more weapons than both of them, and he's just not getting it done. You're not wrong. Um, the one thing I would say about Deshaun Watson is he's, he's more of a mobile running quarterback. Jameis Winston runs when he has to, uh, which is often. Um, look, there's no question. Jameis Winston has to be a better decision maker. He can't hold on to the ball as long as he does. He's got to start. Someone has to. But, you know, I, I find this hard to believe. How does someone, you know, who's coached him, of the four people that have coached him, either as a head coach, coordinator, or, or, or quarterbacks coach, how has someone not come up with some kind of a tool for him, uh, you know, some kind of a, a, a technique whereby he can just count in his head, you know, 1-1000, 2 and, and got to get rid of the ball or, 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 or tuck it and run. I, you would think that somewhere along the line, and maybe that has happened and Jameis just can't seem to, to grasp it, but Jameis Winston is a pretty smart quarterback. Um, I would think if, if that tool was provided to him, he'd make 
excuse of it. But you're right. He, he, it, it's primarily on Jameis Winston. I'm not denying that. He has to become a better decision maker. And he, he's got to do it, you know, in, in the line of fire. He's, it's not a matter of being better on, on Tuesdays or on Wednesdays and Thursdays of practice when they're in pads. It's a matter of being better on Sundays when you are under seat. Um, and, he's, you know, he's obviously still having a hard time learning that. But I will say this. I mean, again, you look at the four three games prior to that, and he was getting rid of the ball quicker. He was making better decisions. He was, uh, you know, tucking it and running when, when there was nothing there for him. So this was clearly a reversion, a regression on his part, back to the old Jameis Winston. It looked ugly, uh, and there's no excusing it. Um, but you know what? You know, they're not going to change quarterbacks just yet. That change isn't coming until at least next year. So uh, you, you better hope that he gets better fast. I just think there's so many problems with this football team. Jameis Winston is the is the, in the middle of the dartboard, but Jason Light's not far behind. The offensive line is very close. The defense is just in shambles. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul back at practice. Roy, if, if he gets back um, – how does he help this defense? Because this defense obviously has a lot of holes, but but he could he could help a, a great deal if he's Jason Pierre-Paul that we know. There was a point last week, guys, where Gerald McCoy got his first two sacks of the uh, of the season. At that point, he had one less sack than all the all of the defensive linemen on the Buccaneers. Some wise guy tried to tweet back at me that I forgot about Shaq Barrett when I pointed pointed that out. But Shaq Barrett is a linebacker; he's not a defensive lineman. This team is getting nothing except some run defense, which is important. Uh, don't take me wrong. Don't get me wrong on that. But they're not getting any kind of push at all from their pass rush. They just aren't. Uh, Carl Nassib has been a disappointment. Vita Vea as a pass rusher has been a disappointment. Uh, and Dominican Sue as a pass rusher has been a disappointment. Uh, no one on the D line outside of Shaq Barrett, who's a linebacker and a stand-up linebacker at that, uh, is, is creating any pressure on the quarterback. And that's making it hard on the secondary. The secondary has its own problem. It's, it's horribly inexperienced, and they're, they're, we're feeling we're seeing the effects to that now. But you know, the problem is, guys, this, this team is not working as a unit uh, very well at all. The linebacking core has been exceptional, in my opinion. It's the only group that's doing anything consistently. Uh, it's the only thing that's keeping this team from probably getting beat by 45 points or more. Um, but uh, at the end of the day. You know, a year ago, when uh, everybody, when, when Mike Smith was fired and everybody wanted his head uh, and, and wanted changes on defense uh, that they ended up getting, this team gave up 29 points per game, 30th in the NFL. Well, guess what they're giving up right now? 30 points a game, 31st in the NFL. They're actually worse under Todd Bowles than they were under Mike Smith and his crew. So, you know, it's funny how you keep asking for changes and nothing changes. At some point, you got to say, you know what, maybe it's just the personnel. And I think we know that it is because, let's face it, it's just a matter of you've got extremely young uh, players in the secondary, and it's, uh, it's, just not, uh, it's just not getting done. Yeah, but the personnel to me falls on Jason Light, and they just gave him a contract extension. So I, I just – I don't know. There's so many – you mentioned Vita Vea. Uh, you know, there's so many and, – and we'll talk about Devin White right now too. I mean, I'm not going to judge him off this game. But you know, you know, we'll see if he t- if he turns out to be a great player. I mean, look at so many drafts. I don't blame Jason Light for drafting Jameis Winston. I would have drafted Jameis Winston, but but now the OJ Howard pick, 
You know, I would have drafted OG Howard. It seems like the Bucks not only a don't make good decisions, man, they're not getting any luck at all. It's just it's hard to find the silver lining here. No matter how many times you peel the or rip the the, the tomato or the banana or whatever the hell we're doing to this team, it's hard to find a silver lining right now, Roy. No, you're absolutely right. And look, I've said this many times before when people have been critical of Jason Light because I've supported him in a lot of ways. Um, and I guess this is a sign of support here, but I'm going to say it again. I don't remember the time that he drafted a player outside of Roberto Aguayo and maybe Matt Gay, but I don't remember the time when he drafted a player or signed a free agent where somebody said, oh, my God, what are you doing? That's a mistake. Certainly that never happened with free agency. And it really didn't happen all that much with the secondary either. And, you know, there was this, this argument uh, recently about, you know, why did you take um, the, the, the kids uh, instead of taking, uh, why did you take Sean Murphy Bunting? And why did you take Greedy Williams who fell down everybody's draft board? Well, there was a point there a week ago where Sean Murphy Bunting had more interceptions than Greedy Williams. He also had more tackles than Greedy Williams and the kid missed a couple of games. So, you know, I, I'm not so sure that, even that was a bad pick. I think the Vita Vea pick was a smart pick. It, kept, it came probably a, a year too early because uh, uh, I'm not sure Vita Vea would have fit into a 4-3 scheme, but maybe Jason Light knew something the rest of us didn't know. Maybe he knew exactly what was going to happen with this team. I don't know, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think he's made some pretty good draft picks, and you're right. This team is, seems to be uh, just it – can't, it can't seem to catch a break. Um, right now, though, I mean, part of the problem is you're, you're playing, you know, basically five, six guys in the secondary, uh, and and they're all first and second year players. And you know, even even Vernon Hargraves, who's the oldest, you know, he's the old man of the bunch. Uh, it's not like he's got a lot of games under his belt. He's been hurt two years and uh, and missed a lot of time, and he's got a lot of adjustments to make. So uh, this team has its problems. There's no doubt about it. Well, this team has a lot of problems, but you know what? I'm about to lose my voice and completely not talk, just uh, stressed out about this football team and trying to find positives. But, Justin, this will always help us get in a better mood, potentially. You know what time it is. It's more likely, baby. Three hypotheticals. We're going to bring back Justin Thomas. Uh, Roy Cummings is still with us. Um, our first one, you know, Jalen Ramsey was traded. And I actually applaud Tom Coughlin for waiting for the right offer for a desperate football team to throw two first-round picks and another pick at him. I thought that was a good move by Tom Coughlin. But more likely, we begin with Justin, is it time to trade O.J. Howard if they get a good offer? Get, get some draft picks. This team needs more draft picks. This team needs – uh, more players. If they get a good offer, would you trade OJ Howard more likely? Yeah, I would. Um, I mean, the Bucks already have Cameron Brait, who's also talented. <clears throat> and I think with the direction the team's gone and how little they've used OJ Howard, and it seems like the times they've used him, he's either dropped the passes or done other things that haven't helped. Um, I don't see why not try and turn a player like that around and get another player who could potentially help the team in a more needed position. Very good points. Roy Cummings, more likely, would you trade OJ Howard if you got a nice deal? No, I wouldn't. Um, you got lucky when OJ Howard was arguably the second, third, maybe fourth at worst, fifth at worst, best player in a draft and sell the number 11 to you. That that's uh, you wait for moments like that. You can't judge uh, 
OJ Howard just yet. Um, I think he's going to get a lot better. I still think he's a Pro Bowl caliber player. A lot of people uh, uh, believe that. You look at the talent, he's going to be just fine. This offense doesn't use the tight end as much, but you know what? If Cameron Brait were to go down, suddenly, you know, what are you looking at? I mean, he's a talented player. You don't know what you're going to get for sure. You don't know what that draft pick's going to be. I mean, the Buccaneers probably hope that uh, they're going to be picking somewhere around 15th or 16th. I mean, at this point, I mean, if they finish 500, uh, which I, again, I think that's what this team is about a 500 team. If they, if they win seven games or eight games, they're going to be picking in the middle of the pack. So you're the, the probably, you know, depending on what you get for, uh, for that player, uh, you know, are, are you getting something better? Who, who you trade, who you trade them to? Why go make another team better? When you need players yourself, I think it's way too soon to start talking about moving people like O.J. Howard. Yeah, but if Roy, were, if if they're not going to use them, then what's the point of keeping them? I mean, they hardly ever use them. Well, they are going to use them. They've been trying to use them now, but he, he, he hasn't caught the ball. Uh, so he hasn't really hurt, earned an opportunity to continue to be used uh, at a high rate. Uh, they're going to use them. Believe me, that's going to happen um, because he's, he's a dynamic player. Uh, this team has to, you know, do a better job. Again, I don't think that Byron Leftwich is excelling as, a, as an offensive coordinator right now. That, uh, I'm not sure how much longer he's going to last as an offensive coordinator. He may not be here. Some people think, oh, some people think Byron Leftwich will be a head coach within the next two years. Um, your hope is that O.J. Howard's going to be with you for the next 15. Uh, it's way too soon to give up on a player of his caliber uh, just because you may not have used him as much as everybody wants you to in the first five, six games of the season. That's, uh, that's no time to start giving up players, even for first-round draft picks, which you probably wouldn't get. You know, if somebody would have asked me three months ago, would you trade O.J. Howard? I said, are you out of your mind? I thought he was going to have that breakout year. But right now, Roy, you kind, of, you kind of said it. I think this football team needs players, plural, players. And by getting, if they get a good deal for O.J. Howard, they get like multiple draft picks that could put them in position to get those players. And if he's not going to use, Bruce Arians is going to be here. I, I say it depends on the deal. I don't just get rid of him to get rid of him, obviously. But if I can acquire players, that's how football teams get better. Yeah, they could finish 500. Who cares? They're not making the playoffs. This team needs to kind of branch out and finally make the playoffs and be a good team. And to me, if they can get players, I would trade O.G. Howard, just depending on the deal. But you know what you did, but you just said something though. I mean, just before we started this segment, we, we were talking about how the Bucks have, uh, you know, really kind of, they, they've, they've, they've had a hard time striking gold in, uh, in the draft. And, and I mean, I guess OJ Howard could be considered part of that, but at the end of the day, if you don't really believe in your general manager and he's not a guy that you think is going to uh, draft particularly well, and he's around for the next four years as it is, wouldn't you rather keep the guy that you know is, you know, at least, least has gold caliber as a gold standard player as opposed to having him possibly go out and get somebody who's going to end up being tin or copper? I mean, that's the way I look at it. I, I, I understand, yes, you need players. But we're, we just made the argument that Jason Light hasn't done a good job of bringing in players as it is. Now you want to trust him. Now you want to give up a gold standard player for, for, and allow Jason Light to maybe go get – a second round pick and a third and a third round pick. And what's he going to do with them? Is he going to, are you sure that he's going to get two gold standard players back? I don't think you are. And by the way, you're going to need the tight end at some point. Again, I don't think right now tight end is one of the few strengths this team has. 
I wouldn't weaken that area by getting rid of the best tight end that you have, at least talent-wise. Okay, in the span of about five minutes, you've defended Jason Light, and now you don't trust him to save your life. I think that's a <laughs> it's a sad state if you're if you're if you're mortgaging your future because you don't trust your GM. That means your GM shouldn't have a job, which I've maintained the whole time. The fact that he got a contract extension because he brought Bruce Arians is and is ridiculous. I think I think a team like the Bucks needs players. OJ Howard's not going to turn your team around. If you can turn around that defense, um, you already have enough weapons on offense. I, I think you get the players. But if you base it on the fact that, well, we're not going to trade OJ Howard because our GM sucks, that's a very sad state for a franchise to me in a lot of ways. So, all right. More likely, number two, uh, the running back situation. Uh, it's it's by committee right now. I think Ronald Jones has showed enough, more likely, to potentially be that guy to get more carries. Uh, more likely, Justin Thomas, should it be running back by committee or should Rojo uh, be the be the bell cow right now? Uh, I, I've actually, I too have liked what I've seen in Ronald Jones. I, I almost think their positions should flip. Ronald Jones should get the bulk of the carries and uh, Peyton Barber should get come in for relief or, you know, special situations. Um, I would assume that's still considered a running back by committee. I don't know how you want to technically define if it's even split or whatnot, but regardless, I do think Ronald Jones should be getting the bulk of the carries. Good points. Uh, Roy Cummings, what do you think about the running backs more likely? Should, should they switch it up or do you like it the way it is? You know, like I, what, what I don't like is that they haven't used the running game enough. I, I think there's uh, – I, I don't mind the way they've been doing it. Um, I, I do like the way the two players complement each other. I think that's uh, important, and I think that's been helpful. I think it's one of the reasons that when they have run the ball, um, they've actually gotten a lot of success from it. They've done a good job of it because you do have two different kind of players there. And I, I, I do kind of like Ronald Jones as the – as the guy who comes in after uh, after Peyton Barber's kind of beating up the defense a little bit, uh, I like the fact that Ronald Jones comes in when those guys are kind of used to a, a power, more of a power back, more of a one cut runner, and then here's this guy who can kind of you know slice through the line a little bit if he's got a bit of a hole and and uh, and make you chase after him and make you miss a little bit. So I I like the way they're being used. I just don't think they're being used enough. Yeah, you know, we talk about Jason Light. That, that What a huge turnaround for him to have Ronald Jones play the way he has. I mean, if Ronald Jones doesn't kind of salvage his career this season, that draft, with all the picks they had in the second round, looks so, so bad. And Vita Vea, the way he's, you know, he, he's okay. He's not great. Um, he's kind of turned around that draft in, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I, I think all you guys make – both of you make good points. I'd like to see Ronald Jones see what he could do because I know, you know, covering the Saints for so many years – when Mark Ingram was sharing the load, he wasn't the same back. You see this around the league too. A lot of guys, when they share the load, you don't really see what they're all about till they get in that rhythm as a running back. And I think if Ronald Jones got in that rhythm, potentially he could really break out a little bit. And I'd like to see that. Um, our third more likely, we like to have fun. I'm going to go to music. The finalists for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2020 have been announced. I kind of narrowed it down to three. If you could go to concert, and see one of these three. And Justin, you may be a little young for this, but uh, we will see. Would you go see the Dave Matthews Band? Would you go see Pat Benatar? Or how about the Doobie Brothers? Uh, I'm not young enough to know all three, especially Dave Matthews. I mean, 
Dave right, Matthews right. had right. singles when I, I was growing up. I threw that in for you. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, of the three you mentioned, I, I'd probably go see Dave Matthews Band. He, it's not, he's not technically, a, or his group, I should say, his band isn't technically my choice of music. I do like some of their songs, some of their singles. Uh, I, but I know I've heard from many people that he puts on a great show. And uh, I've seen some of them play live and they're all talented musicians. I think I would have fun go to his concert of the three. Interesting. Roy Cummings, uh, Dave Matthews Band, Pat Benatar, or the Doobie Brothers? Uh, it's not even close. Uh, I'll go to the, see the Doobie Brothers because uh, Pat Benatar uh, doesn't even belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She belongs in an exhibit <laughs> about uh, women rockers. Uh, <laughs> probably not even close to the best. Um, wow. Dave Matthews Band, um, again, not even worthy of the Hall of Fame. Nice little band, got us through the 90s wow. a little bit. Uh, wow. but, uh, certainly didn't give us anything memorable or special. So, uh, no, it's no question. I'll go see the Doobie brothers. They were a legitimate solid band in the seventies, uh, uh, had a good string of hits and, uh, you know, uh, spawned a couple of, uh, so decent solo careers. So, uh, yeah, Doobie brothers all the way. All right. For the record, Roy Cummings, much harder on Dave Matthews band and Pat Benatar than Jason light or, uh, Jameis Winston in this podcast. <laughs> 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 you know I'm right, brother. Well, uh, I'm talking about. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even say anything after that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> let me let me go down. You say quickly, rapid fire, yay or nay? Okay, I'm gonna give you the other finalists for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Roy. Okay, because I appreciate your music takes, even though. Okay. You... By the way, by the way, I, I did this once at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Martin Fenley of the Tampa Tribune. We. Uh, the Bucks were in Cleveland to pay the play the Browns uh, several years back. We went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We went to the uh, the Wall of Fame where all the signatures are of all the bands. We went through it, and uh, we decided who was in and who was out. And let me tell you something: a lot of fans of a lot of bands wouldn't be very happy with our pick. So you go right ahead, Pat Benatar. You're uh, you're about to hear, you're about to get some company. I'm my guess is. <laughs> okay, but by the way, I, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, if you haven't been, is very good, and I think it's awesome. There, there's so many great rooms, and you can spend hours there. So I thought I really had fun there. Do you disagree with that? No, no, absolutely not. No, it's a great, it's a great, uh, it's absolutely wonderful. I, I wish it was a little bit bigger. I think there's some areas that they could really expand on, but um, uh, it, it's it's certainly uh, if you go to Cleveland, it's uh, it, it's a must see event. Okay, um, I, I go Doobie Brothers, by the way, too. I love the Doobie Brothers, especially when Michael McDonald was with them, man. They were they were rolling. I got a lot of Doobie Brothers love. All right, yay or nay? Pat Benatar, you say nay. Dave Matthews Band, you say nay. I can't wait for some of these. Uh, all right, Roy, Depeche Mode. Yay. Who? Depeche Mode. <laughs> so we got a yay from Justin. Uh, what do you got? Yeah, I, I, oh, I'm, I'm going to – I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. I'm not sure they were the even the even the best of the second uh, wave of British invasion bands. Um, yeah, kind of you know a couple of hits, no, nothing special. So you know it's the rock and roll. It's the Hall of Fame. You know it's supposed to be. I mean you know again I I think we've sort of agreed on this. When you when you talk about Hall of Fame, you're talking about can you write the history of that sport or in this case rock and roll music without mentioning these people. Uh, you know, I think you can do it without mentioning Depeche Mode. I totally disagree. Wow. 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 
That's a generational thing right there. I'm not, right. Okay, we're going to go rapid fire. Yeah, I fire. believe it is. Uh, Whitney Houston. Yay. Yeah, I'll go with uh, Whitney Houston, one of the great voices of all time. Yeah, yeah. Judas Priest. Mm, nah. Not a chance in the world. Craft <laughs> um, work. Yes. Uh, once again, not a chance in the world. Garbage. Uh, you you have to take into account that what they did for electronic music, though. Well, that's just I it. Love it's electronic cause... music. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you're doing much there. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh my God. All right, go on. MC Five. And... Who? MC Five. Punk, punk band. Yeah. Yeah, obviously they didn't make my cut. We'll keep going. Motorhead. No. If Justin says no, I'm go- I'm going to be a no. This is one of Roy <laughs> Cummings' favorites. Nine Inch Nails. Uh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, definitely. Actually, they they changed industrial music. All right, so so clearly Justin has more knowledge of electronic and industrial music than I do. So I'm going to agree with him because. <laughs> I believe Nine Inch Nails does belong. I think they were innovative, and I think they did a lot of things that uh, other bands didn't and uh, never even would have thought of. Wow. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip to two more here. Uh, Soundgarden. Mm. Uh, no. I'm gonna say not quite. Yeah. <clears throat> good. Good, but not great. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I would say they were uh, they they were okay, but not good. Okay, last one. Last one. I, I can't wait to hear this one. Thin Lizzy. <laughs> <laughs> they had some good hits, no, but I don't ahead, know. Justin. I was going to say yeah. they had some good hits, but I don't think so. If you don't put Salad Garden in, you don't put Thin Lizzy in. Yeah, Thin Lizzy actually gets in. Wow. With the one-hit wonder. Wow. That's it. Wow. Okay. All right. See, here's the thing. This, this, is, what's, this is what's wrong with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, guys. Is you could be a one-hit wonder, see Thin Lizzy, uh, or a two-hit wonder, see Soundgarden, and or have an album or two that somebody thought was special, and 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 they, they, you get in. I mean, these people are all going in, or were these all just, or these are the nominees? Nominees, nominees. They have not announced. Well, thank the God class. for that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. There you go. At the end of the day, I'm just—I uh, I just think it's—it's it's become. Look, if you had a record, you're getting in at some point. They're—they're they're afraid to upset anybody. Um, look, there is a bit of a generational issue. Justin certainly has a lot more uh, knowledge of, uh, as I said, uh, some of the uh, uh, the industrial music and the electronic music than I do. Uh, pretty soon, they're going to be letting in DJs and things like that if they haven't already. Uh, to me, again, it's. Uh, not everybody was great, okay? Sid Lizzie wasn't great. They had a nice song. That's it. Okay, well, th- this, this typifies why how bad the Bucks season <laughs> has been. We spent more time arguing about the 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And maybe Bucks fans, <laughs> if you're listening, I know my voice is bad, but we kind of took your mind off how bad this football team is. So before I completely lose my voice, Roy, we love you. I may not always agree with you. You may not always agree with me, but we're brothers. Justin Thomas, thanks for your voice to reason. Thanks for uh, the stats you bring to the table. Um, you can find us on all the platforms, folks, from Podbean to uh, I, what is it? Uh, iTunes, <laughs> Stitcher, Spotify, and Google. 
Um, I'm Mike Neighbors. I'm going to say goodbye before I completely lose my voice. But uh, check out PeterPyrus.com. Subscribe today, and we will talk to you again next week. Really appreciate it.